Welcome. This is an audio recording of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Jim Falk, President of the Council. The Council is a nonprofit membership organization dedicated to engaging the public in an exploration of global issues and foreign affairs, and we produce over 80 public events each year. To learn more about us or to become a member, visit dfwworld.org. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of Haynes & Boone, LLP. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you for being here this morning. It is my pleasure to present this study to you. Like Jim said, we've been working on it for about two years now. And we have been working under the guidance of our Economist Council, which is a group of volunteers from our community, from academia, from government, from private sector, who work with the Chamber to help us stay ahead of the curve. What are the issues facing our business community? What kinds of things should we be thinking about? And that's exactly the question we asked them two years ago. What kinds of things do our <coughs> business leaders and decision makers need to be thinking about to maintain our success as we move forward as a region? And their answer was a resounding, we need to know the competitive position of Dallas-Fort Worth in the global economy. We need to have a much better appreciation of who we have become over these many decades in the world today. So that's the beginning of this work. This study is the first release in a much larger program. This is the benchmark study, sort of get a sense, get our feet on the ground, get a sense of who we are. Following this will be a, a series of work over the years to come to help us, I think, understand our region better and to continue to move forward. In this study, we have three major findings that I want to focus on today. The first is that modern Dallas-Fort Worth is the product of globalization. The timing and the structure of our growth is absolutely wedded to the global economy. Second, there are new terms of competition in this economy. We have industrial strengths. We know them well. We use them well, especially in the domestic competition. But in this new world, that's just your, your placeholder. That gets you into the competition. You have to have regional assets to really be in that top tier of, composition, uh, of competition. And third, DFW actually performs well among an elite set of metropolitan regions in <coughs> these competitive factors, in these asset measures. We have notable strengths and we have very particular and clear challenges. So that's the, the, the focus that we're going to take today uh, in this study. First, modern Dallas-Fort Worth. What do we mean by that? We're talking about the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan <coughs> statistical area defined by the federal government. Twelve counties centered on Dallas and Fort Worth. Modern DFW is this region that has emerged over the last 30 years, since the mid-1970s, with the opening of the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. <coughs> At that time, the two separate metropolitan areas of Dallas and Fort Worth, you can see it in the aerials, literally shifted direction towards the airport to become an integrated region. If we hadn't had that airport, we would probably be two regionally significant separate metropolitan areas. But with that, it changed our future. In these last 30 years, globalization has pushed urbanization, these massive urban developments of centers of activity and people throughout the world. 
Where you see most of the growth is in, <coughs> excuse me, the developing countries. You see it in Mumbai, Mexico City, Beijing. There are seven U.S. metros that make the list of the Global 100, fastest growing metropolitan regions in this era, in the last 30 years. Dallas-Fort Worth is one of those. So when we talk about a new place, very changed, we're talking about massive growth in this area and massive change. Today, after these last 30 years, we have evolved into a metropolitan region that is one of the spikes in the global economy. Everybody says the world is flat. The world is not flat because of globalization. The world is spiky. And it is spiky around these great urban regions where people and activities concentrate. Dallas-Fort Worth is now the 12th largest metropolitan economy in the world. 12th largest metropolitan economy in the world. If you understand the global economy as being about these urban regions, then you begin to grasp where we function in that network. We have a metro, uh, gross product of about 300 billion in Dallas-Fort Worth makes us an average European country. We have 6.4 million residents, 3 million workers. So that's the timing of our growth. The structure of our growth was a little bit surprising to us when we started looking at it in this way. We clearly have three global footprints, whether you look at the site location literature, the academic literature, any way you cut the data. We are known for logistics and trade, technology, advanced services. Well, those are the three enabling sectors of globalization. Okay, logistics and trade is how we move things and people around <laughs> the world in this economy. Technology is partly transportation technology that allows us to do that, but it's also information technology and communications, the movement of data, ideas, conversations, relationships. Advanced services is the management and control functions that allows us to have these far-flung operations. So these are the three things that enable globalization and they're the three things we're known for and it's no accident. Okay, it is exactly what gave us the ability to grow as fast as we did in this period of globalization. When we move forward in our study, I'll just mention on these three sectors, those are the first three things we're gonna drop more deeply into so that we understand more completely how we fit in to the global competition in each of these areas. We know that we're, we're on all the lists. We know that we compete, but we don't know the details of some of the aspects of this trade, trade activity, advanced services, and technology. Having understood that, we moved into the next piece, which is we have our industrial sectors, we have our entree to the global competition through these things, as long as we remain competitive at a world-class level there. What then do we need to worry about in terms of regional assets? How do we understand this next level of competition? We looked at the literature, the site selection surveys, CEO surveys on their decision-making, and identified five key areas. Talent, the availability of skilled labor, quantity and quality now and in the future. There's more worry, I think, about the future than right now. Access to markets and to partners by air, land, and water. 
resources, local business supports that can support the highest levels of activity, whether that's innovation, financial services, all those core pieces that really is the reason we're seeing such concentrations. You have to have those to support this kind of activity. Business climate, what is the ease of doing business and quality of life? What's the livability in your area? I want to mention on those two things is when we became very clear that we're now looking at international competition, not domestic. And the terms of competition are a little bit different. Business climate, we're looking at costs and risks. How stable is your legal system? Are you going to enforce contracts? You know what intellectual property is. Quality of life, what's the health, safety, and costs? So a little bit different measures than we have domestically, much clearer more well-defined. Having identified these metrics, we, we are these major areas, we identified 27 metrics to measure them. We then said, who do we compare ourselves to? You know, who are these benchmark metrics? There's about 100 to 150 metropolitan regions that are generally recognized as business centers in the various literature uh, that are available to us. We looked at uh, the top 100 of those, and then we started identifying a set of criteria that we thought were important for Dallas-Fort Worth in the comparisons. Do they have national stature? Are they advanced service centers? Do they have international airports for passengers and cargo? Are they immigrant hubs? Do they attract talent from around the world? And are there any connections to Dallas-Fort Worth? In our, in our business relationships, in our firm structure. From that list, we identified 20 metropolitan regions uh, from, from around the world to compare to Dallas-Fort Worth, so our entire set is 21. They include all of the alpha metros, global metros, Tokyo, London, New York, Paris. They include a wide section of what you might call second tier metropolitan regions that would include <coughs> us, but also Frankfurt, Amsterdam, Hong Kong, um, a lot of very familiar names there. And then we did I include two emerging metropolitan regions, Mumbai and Monterey, that we thought were of particular importance to us. The list goes, and we're using now not uh, US measures of population, we're using UN measures of population. So this shows us at a little under 5 million residents based on density, so that it's consistent around the world compared to how we measure us at 6.4 million. But using the UN measures, we have Tokyo at the top with 36 million people in the metropolitan region, all the way down to Amsterdam with one, one million. The majority are right here in this, you know, five to 10 million, sort of that mid-tier. We're right on the edge, but we are one of the smaller ones, which I think is a little surprising <laughs> given the strength of our economy. Well, sorry, that indicator's kind of switched around on the projection. <laughs> <laughs> um, within the uh, five areas that we measured, these are the 27 metrics, most of which you can read under divided by each category and they range from about seven to four in the various categories so in talent we're looking at everything from the actual occupational structure of an area to the demographic to education <coughs> facilities 
in quality of life, we're looking at environment, safety, cost of living, so a variety of measures. You'll note on the ones here, we did note with an asterisk, one of the dilemmas in international research, and there are many, is that a lot of the measures are only available in a quality way at national. And in fact, when you see a lot of these lists of metropolitan regions, 90% of what they're measuring is national, which is, you know, for, in our way of viewing the global economy, that's not a, a good way to measure. But there are some things that should be national, and there are some things that are only national. So we note those there, which are national and which are regional measures. In terms of our ranking in the 21 metros, our competitiveness index, which is that overall measure of our position on all 27 indicators across five categories, we are in 10th position, tied with Houston, which just kills me being from Dallas, but I think it's you know, credible that we would be tied with Houston at this level of analysis. Um, and then we break out in each area how we are ranked. In our methodology, we went for as simple and straightforward as possible. We ranked metropolitan regions on each indicator, and we scored them in categories by using medians. International data is so noisy uh, and difficult that we wanted to take the noise out of the extreme measures and look for where where are those central points? Where do you keep coming back to as a stable measure of a metropolitan region? One of the biggest surprises in this study was that first item, business climate. Second ranked in an elite set of metropolitan regions tied with Atlanta and outpaced only by Singapore. Now, in retrospect, we should have known. We should have known. Dallas-Fort Worth has one of the best business climates in the U.S. That's why we compete so well in economic development and relocation activity. The U.S. is extremely competitive on a worldwide basis for business climate. So, of course, we would rank at the very top, but we just didn't really have a, a sense of how strong it is. This is important as we move forward, and we'll talk about a little bit more about the components of it. But one of the outcomes of this study is what are the things we need to pay attention to to protect business climate? We knew that domestically. Now we know that at a new level. What do we need to market? What does the rest of the world need to know about us? Business climate. And this is where we hit absolute world-class status. Quality of life, we ranked eighth. That was a position that I thought was very strong. Anything above you know, the midpoint in this set of metropolitan regions is a strong, strong rating. So quality of life, we ranked eighth in a tie. Access, we ranked 10th, again, in that top 10 position, but access is our lifeblood. If you look at logistics and trade, that's the DNA of the Dallas-Fort Worth economy. We started with cattle trails. We've moved through the years in every step by leveraging our central geography with transportation assets. So when we look at access in the 10th position, that might be something we want to pay attention to. Resources, we're in a 10th position. Um, these are those things that help support business activities. Again, we'll unpack this in a minute, but not having a stock exchange is a measure here. We don't have the financial acumen of, say, London, 
or Tokyo or New York. Um, talent, we ranked 11th, still at the midpoint, okay, and above, so that's good, but given that talent is the number one factor that CEOs identify in location decisions, 11th is not where we want to be, okay? So let's move to some more details. On the business climate ranking on the left, you'll see the list of the top 10 or 11 or top 11 metropolitan regions, how we rank, who we're tied with, so we're tied with Atlanta. On the other side, you see the individual measures and our scores, you know, how we rank on each individual piece. Business climate, there are two things really at play here. One is we benefit from being in the US. Okay, so we have some national measures looking at economic stability. Puts us in eighth position, that's a U.S. measure. It's looking at the relative stability of our economic institutions. The um, business taxes is actually a national measure. Um, it is extremely hard to get to the metro level, although we want to do that because we actually would do even better here. But the U.S. is in a tenth position on business tax uh, ease of doing business is also a national measure which looks at your legal institutions, do you protect your intellectual property, do you have a, 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 a judicial system that will enforce your contracts, a legal system that will enforce your contracts. So these are all national measures and we did well, you know, 10th to 5th position on all of those. But where we really scored was in the regional measures of cost. We are a very cost-effective area. When you look at our, um, <clears throat> excuse me, cost of doing business, which is a comprehensive measure, I believe it's KPMG's index with, it's, it's an unbelievably complex proprietary model of variables of, of specific cost factors. We rank third, third least costly of all of these metropolitan regions. <coughs> Office costs, these are benchmarked on dollars per workstation, so per person, depending on different areas, you have different square footage, different kinds of measures. Second, think back, 12th largest metropolitan economy in the world, okay? Second lowest cost in this group of elite metros. That is a huge bang for the buck. Okay, you're getting a lot for your money in this region. Quality of life. Again, the U.S., being in the U.S., had some very favorable effects on our measure. One of them is, um, let me see, well, not as favorable as I'm saying. Uh, environmental performance is good. That is a national measure of environmental uh, integrity and that's just been developed re relatively recently. So environmental integrity of, at a national level. The healthy life expectancy is also a national measure um, that the U.S. ranks ninth, so top half, maybe not where we would expect to be if you look at these set of metros, but still in that top half. The regional measures on safety, that's about local crime rates and issues like war. Do we have a civil war? Are we at war that affects our uh, particular region. So we did well on that in an eighth position. Livability is one of those more comprehensive measure, measures that does get into uh, more of a domestic 
considerations of arts venues and commute time. Okay, so it takes a lot more into account than you normally see. On that, we rank 11th, so we're exactly at the midpoint. Um, not quite where we would want to be there, but, but it's a, a very clear measure of that, a very specific one. And then, let me see, the two that were really important for us are, again, costs, but this time costs and income. So on the cost side, we have a cost of living that's the fourth least expensive of the 21 metros. We look a lot like Monterey on cost of living at an international level. On income, GDP per capita, we ranked fifth highest. We look a lot like Paris. That's not a bad ratio to have a Parisian income and a Monterey cost of living. Those are extremes. I mean, we're within that. But that's the best comparisons I have for you. So that's a very favorable position there. Access, land, water, air, access through our region. We measured um, things like destination cities. How many cities can you get to uh, from our airports? Passengers to and through our region. Air cargo, millions of tons. Uh, water cargo, the same. Rail and road quality is the only national measure here, and that's a CEO survey of the quality of rail and road, particularly truck services in the U.S. On um, passengers, I thought it was interesting that we ranked eighth because we know Dallas-Fort Worth Airport ranks sixth in the world on passengers. So how can we be eighth in a subset? This was the surprising part for us is when you back up and look not just at individual airports but the entire metropolitan region, the FW Airport, which is so important to us and of which we are so proud, is a tremendous asset, but the top tier of competition has two or three DFWs. Okay? We never think of it in those terms, but they have two or three Dallas-Fort Worth airports. They also have water ports. If we're falling behind them on airports and we don't have a water port, that's significant. The other interesting part here, though, is that these measures, and we tried to stay within the mainstream of measures in academia and consultancy um, to make this the most legitimate assessment we could have, but these measures are very Eurocentric and very old world kinds of measures. They don't include intermodal transportation, okay? They include each one separately, but not the combination. They don't really deal well with an Alliance Airport or a Dallas Logistics Hub. And therefore, the Atlantas, the Dallas, the Chicagos of the world um, are measured a little bit differently, and I think there's some bias, some negative bias there that we need to work on as we try to get a real sense of who we are. Nonetheless, we need to really pay attention to this. Air cargo was surprising that we were in 14th position because we have seen that double in value in Dallas-Fort Worth in the last five years. A double in value. So it's a huge part of our identity in this new world. What's happening in air cargo is that the high value international trade is moving from shipping vessels to air. Okay, so now 50% of U.S. trade, international trade, in value, not volume, is coming by air cargo. And that's an massive benefit to Dallas-Fort Worth. 
um, and we are have already been identified externally as one of the emerging um, potential aerotropolis is what they're calling it these air cargo centers in the world competition but in the u.s it's going to be an organic kind of development whereas elsewhere they're building them but air cargo in 14th is not yet we're not where we want to be water cargo who's surprised by that we don't we don't have a, a river or an ocean port um, and then the rail and road quality actually given the concerns about the infrastructure quality in the u.s i think seventh is a pretty strong showing but again this is one of those things that captured our attention it should capture our attention and, and be part of the conversation as we move forward in identifying who are we going to be 20 years from now. Resource rankings. We looked at Global 500 headquarters as a symptom of being able to support the highest level of activities. So on that, we ranked in the eighth position. Domestic market cap is about having a stock exchange. We don't have one. We're one of many. So a bunch of us are in 12th position, meaning there are 11 that do have stock exchanges. Research and development expenditures is a state measure. Um, it's percent of corporate revenue, I think, is how it's measured. And it is, well, no, percent of GDP, because it's both public and private spending. We ranked 10th in the top 10 on that one. And patents per million resident. Unfortunately, this is a national measure. Could not get a good there are lots of metropolitan measures out there, but they don't make sense. So we haven't found that one down at the metro level yet. Um, but we did rank third being part of the U.S. on that measure. So I think 10th position and top 10 on this is a strong showing um, because we are a different, a younger kind of metropolitan region. Talent. There are a lot of things to talk about on this one. I want to point out a few in particular. Nobel Prize winners. That's a controversial measure. It's in almost every study. Everybody measures it differently. We measure it as number of Nobel Prize winner that we, uh, our, that came out of our institutions. Okay, so we're not measuring our ability to attract Nobel Prize winners. We're measuring our ability to create world-class research. And we only counted them in the modern era, in this wave of globalization in the last 30 years. Um, so that was an, an excellent position for us, sixth position on that. Top 500 universities. This was interesting to me because we worry about tier one and we should worry about tier one university in Dallas-Fort Worth. We don't have one. We're the only one who does it at this level. However, when you look at an international measure, U.S. universities do so well, okay, that we still place extremely well here. This is a measure of math science and business performance um, of international universities and we're in the ninth position. Doesn't mean we shouldn't worry about tier one for domestic competition, but internationally we're well positioned with our universities. <coughs> technology, this is the uh, number of people in technology occupations, the, pr the proportion, I'm sorry, not number, proportion. We have a very deep and broad technology workforce. If you don't know, we've got about 250,000 technology workers in Dallas-Fort Worth. 45% of the state of Texas technology workers are in Dallas-Fort Worth. Huge, across 14 industries. Advanced services, we're in 12th position. We are not as specialized in advanced services as New York, London, Tokyo, areas that are 
financial centers. Advanced services are the most advanced business services, financial services, uh, law, accounting, uh, computer design, systems design. So it's that top tier of creative, but, but financial is a big part of that. The immigrant index, Dallas-Fort Worth is now the 18th ranked location for total number of foreign-born residents, 18th largest foreign-born population in the world, which is stunning to me, coming from Dallas, uh, that we have changed that fast. The index, however, measures not just quantity, but diversity. How many countries are our immigrants coming from? Are we attracting talent from every corner of the world? In Dallas-Fort Worth, there's an interesting phenomenon, and this is true of a couple of the other U.S. metros, <coughs> in that, yes, we are. If you actually look at the details of our, of our immigrant population, the top five sending countries to the U.S., Dallas-Fort Worth is top 15 in four of those. So we do have a wide base of immigrants from China, from India, uh, from Mexico, of course, and what's the fourth one? I'm blank all of a sudden. Uh, there's a fourth one there, um, but we don't have the Filipino population, which is the fifth top sending country. But we have such an enormous population from one country that it kind of swamps that on a diversity measure. Working age is a very problematic, we included it, but this is totally Eurocentric. It's about the proportion of your population between ages 15 and 65. Okay, and it's developed to measure dependency, particularly in the aging population. This is about, are you going to have the workforce that we need 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Are you going to have a population of an age to be in the workforce? It completely ignores populations like Dallas-Fort Worth that have a very large number under 15. So the next time we do this study, having done the sort of straightforward usual analyses, we're going to start putting in that younger population versus older population because we should not be penalized for having a deep young population to move into our workforce. But we are in 11th position exactly because of that. Um, because we are actually quite young for the U.S., much less for the world. So when you take all of these together, you develop our global rank in each area across all 27 indicators. Like I said, we're in 10th position, tied with Houston, neck and neck with Chicago and Amsterdam, not far behind Frankfurt. Okay, we're in good company, I think. We're also one of five metropolitan areas that does not fall below midpoint in any measure. Okay, if you know that these are five measures are essential ingredients of competition. The fact that we don't fall below midpoint in any of the five is really important. <clears throat> really important. Do you, you know, Tokyo falls to 14th in business climate. Paris to 18th in business climate. New York is right on the edge there in 12th position on um, quality of life because of their costs. Um, so this was another finding that we were kind of surprised that, that there were so few that would remain in the 11th position or above across all of the measures. Some people, I'll just bring this up because the question will come. Tokyo, first in quality of life, give me a break. <laughs> 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 to 
in Japan, the healthy life expectancy is 75, number one. Environmental integrity is very strong. Okay, so they've got some very strong measures in here, except for highest, highest GDP per capita. But cost is also the highest. <laughs> so it's not affordability, it's just pure income. So on these kinds of measures, absolutely, they're number one. So that was a surprising uh, measure also. So with that, we'll take questions. Thank you. For more information about the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth, visit them on the web at www.dfwworld.org.